What can we do when we have conflict with another Christian or a group of Christians? How can the average Jesus follower go about dealing with conflict and resolution in a righteous and godly way? We're going to talk about that today with conflict resolution expert David Jung on the All Things to All People podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast with Michael Burns. I am Michael Burns. Today we are, we're still finishing up season two. We've not yet moved into season three, but we have completed what we're going to cover and discuss for now in specifically the area of political engagement and going through Escaping the Beast. And yet, I feel like this topic is is helpful, timely, and related overall to the continuing themes that we address and analyze on this podcast. We've we've delved into culture and all of that aspects, um, uh, the aspects of of dealing with culture and cultural conflict and cultural humility, and then. That was season one. Season two, we looked at politics and political engagement. And in season three, we're going to dive into crossing the line, culture, race, and kingdom. All of those topics, the thing they kind of have in common is there tends to be conflict uh, inherent to them, involved with those things. But conflict is not just limited to those things, obviously. We can have conflict about uh, you know, the way we speak to one another or an interaction that we had or just an ongoing sense of, uh, you know, hurt or distance between people or a specific situation, uh, you know, uh, uh, anything can can result in conflict between two people. And then it comes down to how do we respond? Do we just go with our emotions and let that run the day? Do we avoid it? Uh, how can we, you know, maybe approach those type of situations in an effective manner and not just leave it to chance or hope for the best? And so that's what we want to talk about today with a follower of Jesus and a, a church leader who also is a trained uh, counselor and uh, expert in uh, in conflict resolution, and that's David Jung. So, uh, help me welcome. I don't know how you're going to help me welcome our guest today. That's a weird thing to say when I stop and think about it. You're just sitting there listening, um, but I guess in spirit you can help me to welcome our guest today, David Jung. So some of you listening may already know who David Jung is, and many of you may not. David is, he's a friend of mine, first and foremost, but he's mm -hmm. hes an evangelist. You know, before I get all that, let me say, hello, David. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michael, and thanks for having me. See, I get so focused on business, David, that I was just going to ignore the fact that you're sitting there uh, so patiently, yes. and uh, I was just going to get right to business. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> uh, how's how's the weather in Winnipeg? 
you know, it's about minus 21. We're having a heat wave. Okay. So it's different than minus 50 that we've had. I, mean, I think you know that in Minnesota, it's been a little bit chilly, you know? Yeah. And I, I can't complain today. Um, in fact, this whole week, if we're talking Celsius, it's supposed to be like eight degrees Celsius here this week. So that's pretty good. You've had worse for sure. Yeah. 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 So I, I will not complain. Um, but now let me get back to the business here of introducing David to the audience. He is an evangelist in the Winnipeg church. If you don't know where Winnipeg is, that's in Canada. It's north that's of right. here. Uh, David has been there with his wife, Erica, for about 22 years. She mm -hmm. is a professor at the University of Manitoba, which is also in Canada. It would be awkward if that was in a different country. So that, that helps that you guys live in the same location. They have two awesome sons who are 22 and 23, and they're both disciples and off doing their thing and uh, yeah. studying languages and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and they're awesome boys. You guys are great parents. You've done a great job there. And, um, so David, David, uh, studied philosophy at the university of Toronto. He is a registered professional counselor in Canada. He's a mental health specialist. He has, uh, certificates in conflict and mediation from a couple of them, but one of them from Cornell, uh, which is impressive sounding. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So job well done. It, it's just more impressive than what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> that's most things in life, right? It's like, that yeah. sounds impressive, but it really yeah. wasn't if you were there. It was, you know, yes, it was, it was, it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, and you, you, you also serve as a mediator for restorative justice, uh, that system in Canada. And mm -hmm. on top of all that, in leading a church and doing all that, you also teach workshops on conflict resolution and counseling techniques and some of those things around uh, Canada, around the United States, and around the world. Yeah, you you used yeah. to travel a lot, and now you spend a lot of time on Zoom, <laughs> yes, as right. as many of us do. And I have. Uh, you, you just gave me a video tour of your war room office with your <laughs> 17 video screens that you have there. So that's right. Uh, that's right. That's very impressive. But, um, man, thanks for joining me, David. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to have you on. Well, it's always great to be with you, Michael. I mean, you're a very good friend of ours. And so we love, love being with you and my Christian. So yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the thing, so I wanted to have you on uh, to talk about conflict resolution because sure. I guess first and foremost, um, you know, maybe other people would sit there and say, wow, I haven't experienced that. But it seems like wherever you go in whatever situation, whether it's church, work, home, whatever, um, conflicts between uh, different individuals tends to arise after a yeah. while. They're, That's right. Is that a fair statement that, that conflicts seem to happen wherever you get more than one person in a room? Uh, well, even amongst yourself, you fight with yourself sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Depends how you handle it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, the good thing about having conflict with myself is I always win. And lose. <laughs> 
well, but I like I like to focus on the positive, David. That's right. So that's right. I'm staying focused. I, I keep those wins racked up, and I try to forget the losses. Same. Uh, I got you. Although that's not actually true, if I'm honest. That's 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 not how I operate in life. I could have 99 wins and one loss, and I will obsess over the one loss. That's <laughs> that's the reality. The funny thing is, when you're fighting with yourself. If you win against yourself, someone's going to lose. Would be yourself, right? And win, so you win and lose at the same time. Maybe it's Tricky. always a draw when it's with yourself. Anyways, <laughs> yes, that was that was a valuable point. two minutes. We'll, we'll, it was. Yeah, they're writing it down right now. Right, people are like, "Ooh, this is worth it." Um, Please stay on. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but here's my here's what I want to ask you. Here, you know, there there are a lot of conflicts. But it seems like, and and maybe again, this is just me. It seems like in the last, I don't know, five to ten years at least, I hear more and more about conflict resolution as a as a discipline, as an area of study, as an expertise, as sure. a need, um, and and maybe even more organizationally than just on an individual basis. Uh, yeah. So I hear a lot about conflict resolution. So am I correct that that seems to be becoming more and more popular in the last few years? And, and why so? Hmm. That's a big question. I mean, I think, um, you know, maybe just to kind of start off, when we talk about conflict, you ask 50 people, you can get 50 different definitions. And so, you know, I mean, I like to try to keep it simple. And when yeah. you think of conflict, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, one side against another. I mean, that's just simply, and it's not always bad. I mean, you have conflict when you play football. Right. Everybody walks away as friends generally, uh, or whatever. Uh, um, uh, other ideas of conflict involve when you have differences, right? People that are different, and you add a bunch of tension, you get a bunch of conflict too. Uh, you think about, you know, when you're dating someone, I mean, when they were, you know, with you, and they were kind of 20 minutes late, you're like, oh, Michael, such a free spirit, whatever, you know, whatever that is. You get married after that, that gets old. That's so that differences that you celebrate all of a sudden you like you add a bunch of tension. Some of the biggest fights you have is right before going vacation or right before church is because you know you're trying to get into the car. So differences and tension, conflict. But I think basically conflict is when you have a need that's not met by another person that you expected, all of a sudden, a bunch of conflict. So I think a lot of conflict definitions will fit into one of those three categories. And I'm mm. sure somebody can include more. But I think people more and more now are, are very much um seeing more clearly that wow you know if i don't deal with this well there's a lot of hurt in families you know divorces splitting organizations whether it's church or organizations or family and i think people start studying this stuff a little bit more and then they find that there's actually a science behind it um, and there's actually patterns that conflicts go through and so there are tools that go through it uh, i mean a lot of times i think when you're young in school a lot of your conflicts are managed by power mm. you know, the teacher shows up hey stop right? Or, or your parents stop. Well, I mean, that's conflict resolution. It's resolved. But when that power goes away, guess what happens? Everybody starts fighting again. So I used to do that. And so, um, and I think even, I think to answer your question about why is it seems so much more, I mean, I think we would agree that there's a lot of conflict in breaking up of families. And so a lot of that wisdom, you know, because before quote unquote conflict specialists showed up, it was like grandmothers and grandfathers and that generational wisdom that taught people to deal with conflict and the community needed each other. But now it's like, I can just say, well, forget it. I'm taking my ball and go home. Before you didn't have that option because you would just die in the woods by yourself or or you would have a situation where, um, you know, the conflict would be resolved from 
generations of wisdom and the community was together. But now you can do your own thing and have my own ideas. And I think if you even know what the Bible says about conflicts, this is what causes quarrels among you and James. It's because I want what I want. And so I, I think that's some of the rise of it. I and mean, it's good for us as conflict mediators, lots of work. Yeah. So I don't know if that's <laughs> kind of, it generates your question in a way. Yeah, no, and it, and it also sparks a thought. And I want to connect some dots here and, and see if I'm correct in this. But you you mentioned authority. And if I if I bring that into maybe more specifically the church context, mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, what I what I heard you saying was to some degree or another that a, a lot of conflict can be um, resolved by simply the presence of authority, right? The authority steps yes. in and says, "This is what's going to happen." Conflict resolved, and you move on. And so, as in in the or in the last few decades, uh, I see the concept of authority diminishing in the church, and not necessarily in a negative way. Uh, I think maybe in the '70s and '80s and even '90s, it was it was more stressed of just this top-down sort of authority, and, sure. and you tend to see a movement now towards what I think is a more biblical model of shared leadership and you know jesus is the one who said you're not going to lord authority over one another as the pagans do but so as as authority maybe as just a uh you know a, a be all end all step in yeah so says i and now it's ended so as authority reduces perhaps it it create not creates more conflict but it creates a need to resolve the conflict in a different way because the authority is not just coming in and saying, this is what's going to happen now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I think what you see here is for sure. I mean, when you say resolve, it means different things to different people. Mm. I think like we'll use two kids. They're fighting over a toy. Dad, mom comes in, stop it. Or we're going to throw the toy out. They're going to stop. Not because they care about each other is because they don't want to get in trouble. But when mom or dad leaves or they just forget after a while, because authority only works for so long, especially if the authority goes away, they're going to fight again. So it's not, the relationship's not changed. And so, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, there's a practice called conflict transformation. So it's about restoring the relationship and getting them to work together. That's the real problem Mm. versus authority just stops it for a while. And you've seen that. And I think more and more um, as the church moves to a model where it involves, um, you know, like, well, who, who, who made you God kind of thing. And so people will keep fighting. And so it's easier to actually use authority, but it's a shortcut mm. to stop the conflict, but it doesn't change anything in the, in the long run. Because once people get back to the needs not being met, um, you know, they haven't learned to respect each other's differences, they're gonna go on fighting. And, and it's, it's something that will happen again and again and again. And so we have this saying called practice makes, and most people say, you know, practice makes perfect. You're not if you're doing it wrong. Right. So practice makes permanent right permanently wrong right so correct practice makes perfect and so when you tell somebody stop it or x will happen to you or stop it will give you a carrot and stick method it's not a real great way to motivate so we want to transform like why am i having this issue with you what do i want what do you want can we get a win-win here as opposed to it's a lose-lose because we're going to sit here and be really mad or you know you've seen kids sorry sorry you told them to say sorry it's like yep that totally seals resolve. <laughs> and you know, you got to keep your authority on them the whole entire time because yeah. if not, they're not going to get along. So I think the other thing too, is that before we really needed each other to meet needs, you know, food, water, we needed the community, but now you don't really need to do that. 
Mm. I don't need my family to get water and food. I can just go to 7-Eleven to do that. Like, but back in the day, you messed around, had too much conflict with the community. Uh, you get booted out of the community. What do you think is going to happen? Right. Now it's like, whatever, man, I'll just move. I'll take my ball and go home. Because you have your own ball. You have your own place to play. Before, you don't, it's too bad. You get, so it was less communal now, I think, mm. to a certain degree. No, that's good. And uh, let me ask you this, because this is kind of a, important, I think, uh, up front here, is you mentioned that maybe the base cause of conflict in one sense or another is differing desires, right? And mm -hmm. I want something, you want something different, and it causes conflict. Is um, the presence of conflict always the result of sin? So is is there sin present where there's conflict, or can it simply be, uh, you know, hey, we have a conflict, we need to resolve it, but there's not necessarily sin involved? No, I don't think so. It's kind of funny when you see through the Bible, you know, I, I encourage a lot of the biblical students that I teach, like ones who are into the Bible, they're going to develop their own healthy theology of conflict. And so oftentimes we learn about conflict from our family of origin and the therapists call it foo, F-O-O, -O, your family of origin. So, I mean, I, I, my family of origin was like, man, we were fighting, dad came in, boom, everybody stopped. And so either you're heading toward that family of origin of way of conflict, you're heading away or a little hybrid of both. I mean, I've heard, heard moms when kids were fighting, they would just give them candy and everybody would stop, right? Until the candy ran out. And so everybody got all these cavities, but they had no conflict, right? So at the end of the day, I look at the Bible and we try to develop a theology of conflict. And I look at God. I mean, I mean, when he met Jacob, what was the first thing that he did? Let's wrestle. I mean, you watch them wrestling. You'd be like, hey, if you were a parent, like, hey, stop fighting. <laughs> I mean, it got to the point where somebody lost their hip, if you know what I mean. And right. then, so, I mean, was God in sin? Was Jacob in sin? Not in that moment. I mean, Jacob had a lot of problems, okay? But that wasn't a moment. And so in the end, when conflict was done well, Jacob was blessed. When conflict was done poorly, he, he wasn't blessed. I mean, you think about his conflict with Esau, how'd that go over a bowl of soup, right? I mean, right. he tricked, he did all this funky shenanigans. And in the end, I mean, you look at the Edomites, the Esau's descendants, they were fighting with the Israelites like forever. So conflict isn't always because of sin. I mean, God involves in conflict. And a lot of times that yeah. conflict reduces, in, um, you know, it produces uh, growth and change. Conflict brings people to the table to talk about stuff they've stuffed. And so, no, I mean, it can lead to sin if you start, maybe moving off the problem and having a problem with the person. Mm. So instead of solving the problem, we have no water, we, we get angry and start taking from the other person or right. blaming them. And that's when it becomes sin, I believe. Anyway, I mean, other people have different views of it, but in my Bible, I see there's a theology of conflict that conflict's neither bad nor good. It's the way you handle it. Mm. God and Jacob fought, you know, many times, uh, but a lot of the biblical conflicts were very sinful because it came from desires. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. Does that answer the question? No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, because, you know, I think this is an example. For instance, uh, you know, I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in actual conflict with the Father. There's a there's conflict there that they're resolving and negotiating, right? They There's a differing sort of, hey, you know, Father, can you... Uh, can, can we change the plan here? Yeah. Hey, what's up? Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm... I'm pretty certain that it wouldn't be a good idea to accuse either Jesus or the father of sin. That's a great point. And so yeah. it, it seems like, you know, sin can cause conflict, but not all conflict is sin. 
And, yeah, and then it matters how we resolve that and how we handle it. Uh, and, and I would put that in a similar category with anger. Not all anger is automatically sinful. It's That's how right. we express that anger and deal with yeah, it. Yeah, it's the motivation behind it, right? I mean, yeah. If you look at James 4, 1 to 3, it very clearly talks about wrong motives when you, you and then that's the heart of it but i think one thing that you mentioned for sure uh, the idea is that if the goal is in john 13 where people love one another at the end of the day it's not going to work and that's the difference between the world's teaching and mine where a lot of times i work in the world i, I work as a consultant for the world's a conflict mediator um i can't really pull up the bible because you get really irritated <laughs> you know they're like what are you doing like i don't do that but their goal is not love. Their goal is to make sure I don't get burned more than the other person. So I have to mediate that, which is tricky. Or in the court system, there's a little bit of power. I mean, they come to mediation or they go to jail or have a bunch of charges in their life. I mean, they don't want that. But as for Christians, if the goal is not love at the end of it all, it, what's the point? You know, we, we got our land parsed off. Yeah, but I hate my brother. It's like, how's that going to work, right? It just doesn't work. Because we have a different view and a different goal. Our goal is unity in Christ. Their goal is to make sure everything is as fair as it can be legally, right? So I know it's tricky working in both world, both parts of the world. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. It doesn't always result in sin, but oftentimes you kind of know, you can feel it when you want to win more mm. than the other person. And Philippians too, you don't consider the other person's needs anymore. I just want to blare ahead. Don't care what you say. Yeah. And it comes, it usually starts off wrong. Yeah. Now you, you do, you're in the unique kind of position of you do both conflict mediation and counseling. Uh, what what is yeah. kind of is is there a difference? What's the difference between conflict resolution, mediation, uh, you know, or counseling or arbitration? What are kind of the differences between those areas? That's a really good question. I think that everybody can be involved in a conflict, and they'll learn one way to solve it, either effectively or ineffectively. Conflict resolution. So in counseling. Oftentimes we help people deal with conflicts and the conflicts are either within themselves, right? Self-conflicted, right? And also with others. Now with a Christian, it's also conflict between them and God. I mean, that's what essentially what the Bible studies are. You're helping someone deal with their conflict with God because the conflict with God is, is, is very bad, right? It, it leads to eternal salvation or damnation. It's up to you, hmm. but also conflict with others. I mean, six of the 10 commandments have to do with other people that you, if you steal, from them, commit adultery, try to murder them. I don't know, they don't like it. And so you need to stop that. And also there's conf conflicts within yourself where, you know, there's many scriptures that don't talk about you talking to God or you talking to others. It's you talking to yourself, like that rich guy who had so much stuff. He's like, hmm, I said to myself, oh, I'm going to build more barns, store my stuff, forget about everyone else. And so God said, you know, you are not having a good day. You're going to die that night. So when I think about conflict, dealing with it on multiple levels, whether it's intra, inside you, with others or with God, these things are huge, huge deals. And so when I think about how I work with conflict, everybody in counseling will have to probably deal with somebody with conflict themselves or others. Uh, mediation is a process where people voluntarily bring someone in to listen to both sides or a pair of people. And then they try to guard the process for them to communicate clearly to another. Arbitration is also voluntary where people come on in and they basically give the arbitrators power to be able to decide based on the evidence which settlement is right and they abide by it right now adjudication is different doesn't matter how you feel that's that's the court system hey you're arrested you're going to jail we provide proof and that's the, the worst way about it um but not all counseling involves conflict but definitely um everything that we do from parenting 
will involve some type of conflict from what you're going to have for dinner to something like we want to split a church or something. So conflict resolution is a skill, is a modality within almost everything that you do at every job, at every job, at every family unit. Because as long as you have people, you're going to have conflict. But even without a person, you're still going to be conflicted. And you know, oh, man, should I have cereal today? Should I have coffee? Should I eat this entire cheesecake? Like, <laughs> like, like there's a lot of conflicts going on for us. Does that kind of answer the question there too? Yeah. So um, am I hearing, did you eat an entire cheesecake today, David? Is that? No, I'm not really down with cheesecake. So yeah. You don't like cheesecake? Not my favorite. I mean, I'll eat okay. it, but I'm... You know, it's interesting. I didn't like cheesecake for a long time. I didn't eat cheesecake till about three years ago. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Uh, really? What What was the impetus for that? I don't know. I, I just tried a piece, I think. My my wife was always like, try a piece, try a piece. And I was like, no, I don't like cheesecake because I don't like cream cheese. And I just had it in my head. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, actually, um, this is not bad. Mm. I am in um, error. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like cheese. I don't know why. I don't know the cheesecake part. It feels kind of crumbly. Maybe I'm having the wrong cheesecake. Uh, you might be. Yeah. You gotta have like maybe it's Canadian cheesecake. I don't know what they're doing up there. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Maybe. I've tried American cheesecake. It's okay. Have you? Everybody okay. wants to send me oh Dave, you gotta I'm gonna send you the perfect cheesecake recipe. Oh. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't make it myself. I, I, no, that's too much work. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I, I, I've had cheesecake. I mean, I'll eat it. It's not like I'm gonna like no. Yeah. Like, it's not like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> that God did not make those, and I, I can prove it. <laughs> oh no, Brussels sprouts <laughs> are gross. They are. There's yes. like little brains lying around, and they just smell like gas. Oh like my it. goodness. Let, let me. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a little kid, my parents we had this thing called chosen vegetable, and we yeah. could each have one chosen vegetable that we never had to eat. And so I went to my grandma's house for a weekend and she was like, what do you, what do you want to eat when you're here? And I was like, well, my chosen vegetable is Brussels sprouts. And she didn't understand that and thought oh, that no. that meant, so she made me this big thing of Brussels sprouts. And then I was like, no, I don't have to eat Brussels sprouts. And she was like, well, I'm sorry if yes. I made it, you're going to eat it. And so it turned into this big, huge thing, you know, but um, while we're, enough, while we're yes. on the topic of food, let me ask you a question. Which is better? I I, I asked uh, Guy Hammond this a few weeks ago, and uh, that's your first mistake right there. Is asking Guy Hammond yes. anything? Yeah, okay, absolutely. I'll be sure to tell him that. He's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and so they haven't won a cup since 1967. Okay, that. Um, here's the thing, David. Nobody in the United States even knows who the Toronto Maple Leafs are. Um, I assume that's sin. Canadian Football League, right? No, I'm kidding. No, I know it's hockey. I know it's hockey. Oh, okay. Um, Center. But wh who has better food in general, Canada or the United States? Now, because I'm a conflict meter, I'll answer diplomatically. Okay. I think in many ways, Canada has uh, healthier food in some areas, for sure. And the States have, I think, tastier food. So okay. it all depends on what you want. So, so you choose the option. Healthier food in Canada, does that include poutine? You know, that's the only part of Canada that doesn't have healthy food because, <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, it's uh, it's gravy with cheese and fries. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember All when that. I was there, you wouldn't let me try it. You said I wasn't ready well, for cause it. Well, because I loved you. Because yeah. I love you, bro. Okay. No, it's just, it's a special kind of food. It's it's definitely, they give you, a, a, you know, those AED paddles with it mm. for every, because you feel your arteries hardening if you eat it. Nice. I've eaten poutine. I don't eat it a lot because 
I don't, I don't want to answer for God why my my life got shortened five years. <laughs> and anybody who knows it, we oh know. my yeah, goodness. Sure. Well, let, let, food. let let me come back to conflict resolution here. Um, let, let me ask you a question. One, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on and have people hear from you is, sure. you know, a, a, as we've already established, everybody has conflict at one level or another. Not everybody can email David Jung and hire you as a conflict resolution mediator that would probably stretch your schedule uh, even more than it's stretched now. You got things, yeah. You don't want that. And uh, I don't think it's, you know, uh, feasible, realistic, or necessary to have a conflict resolution expert come in every time there's a conflict. So at some level, all of us are going to have to engage in some conflict resolution. What are some of the simple things, uh, attitudes or actions or, you know, that sort of thing? What, what are some simple things we can do to reduce conflict or keep from prolonging conflict? What's the list of do's here that the regular average person can do to, to help work through some of these issues? You know, that's a really good question. I teach this stuff in my workshops, um, but I would say that just kind of identifying, look, like what you said about your grandmother, the the chosen vegetable. I mean, I would assume that could mean one or two things. The chosen, I like it, or chosen, I don't want to eat it. I probably would have mixed that up. And so about 90% what I deal with, it's mis- misunderstanding, miscommunication. The, what I communicated, the way I wanted to land and what I wanted to say doesn't land right on the other person. It's not because it's wrong. It's because sometimes I don't communicate it right but it lands in their lens, passes their lens. And so a lot of times to be curious, that's the word I, I try to introduce in Panama when I taught the lesson, be curious, always. Are you sure you meant that? It, it, is that does that sound right? You know, and so in many ways, um, if somebody, you know, says something, I'm, and it's hard, believe me, especially if they say something that rattles you a little bit, hits your, one of your triggers, like say something that's it's a little bit squirrely. You're like, why would you say that? But keep pursuing that. And if, if you could stay curious, you know, because I mean, I think most of us know, and this is a public service announcement, if, if you don't know, but when you're on fire, you're probably doing something wrong <laughs> when you're, you're on fire, okay? <clears throat> Generally, you're pretty emotional. You're not going to think about, oh, no, I've got to reduce the amount of oxygen and not run around too much to do other, catch other things on fire that's flammable. But every, most people know it's stop, drop, and roll. Because what happens is when you are on fire, you're generally pretty emotional and your amygdala, that's things in your brain that help you with fight, flight, or freeze, or faint. Well, what passes through that is training. So somebody's trained in stop, drop, and roll. So they know they stop, roll around, put the fire out. What do you do when someone triggers you? Like there's plenty of stuff going on that people get triggered with coronavirus. Somebody comes too close to you or somebody says, I don't believe in masks. What do you do? Well, your amygdala gets fired up. So instead of like, you know, that's what it sounds like. It's called an amygdala hijack. We have that one word, like stop, drop, and roll. Gotta be curious. Gotta be curious. Okay, what does this person mean? I voted for this person. Ah! Like, what did they mean? Why did they vote for them? It's good to ask questions. Hey, I'm curious. Why did you say that? You know, what was going on for you? And that, that, takes, that takes at least the tool to be curious. I'm telling you, if you walk away with nothing at all, being curious will save your bacon. But how do you be curious? The other side of it is this, 
you got to have the emotional resilience to be curious. And I'll tell you, man, I don't care what I know in conflict resolution. If I'm having an altercation or a bump with my wife, I throw out all my education, throw it all out. You know why? Because I'm hijacked. You know, it's like, what on earth? It's kind of like these trained martial artists. But they get into a fight, like they're like, what style is that, man? That's just like, I'm going to hit everything style. Like, and that's what happens in conflict. But if I train myself and understand that there are trigger points for me, and it's like, these are my triggers, and I got to really push myself to be curious, to be curious. Because one, it could be a major misunderstanding. And secondly, you know what? I want them to respect my differences. I, I don't mean immoral, destructive differences. Like, I, I'm a murderer, you're not. You got to accept me. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, you know, I like Brussels sprouts and... And some guy thinks it's the most disgusting thing in the world. So I polarize right away. You are not righteous before God. Why are you eating Brussels sprouts? And people are like, well, you could put bacon on it. Yeah, they're great without the Brussels sprouts, just bacon. <laughs> so to be curious and to have the emotional resilience to know, man, these are my triggers. Mm. This, this is what happens to me. And it's the hardest thing to do because I can share with the tools to everybody. But if you can't handle that initial punch in the face, we'll call it, right? then you, you'll be able to, you won't be able to use the tools. You won't. So I've got tons of meteors I train. One of the number one thing, one of the things that we train is that level of emotional intelligence to go. So everybody's learning tools for me. And so I say, yeah, but you got to check yourself because if you lose your mind, all of it, it doesn't matter. Like nothing works. Cause I've seen mediators screaming at each other. You're like, you guys are professors. Like, I don't understand what's going on. So does that, does that help? Like I would say being curious and also just being calm. Like we, we've got to be able to do that. Jesus talks about this again yeah. and again. Proverbs talk about it. So everybody knows this. It's simple, yeah. but it's very difficult. It's not easy at all. Yeah. I think that's some of the key and most people can't do it. I can't do it at times. Mm. No, does, that's, that, does that help? Yeah, that's super helpful. And so there's a couple do's. Do you have any absolute don'ts like that the regular person can do? Like stay away from this. Yeah, you know, someone once said to me, never give up the opportunity to shut your mouth. Like when you're feeling it, don't speak. Because words are like, I mean, we've heard this many times. They're like arrows, right? Fine, they land on something. Fine, you pull the arrow out, but the hole's there. Like, I mean, most people, I mean, if they get hurt, broken leg by somebody, it'll heal. They'll forget about it. But words, they stay there. Just be quiet. It's best to, I mean, I have the super glue rule. Just walk away. Just walk away because, you know, um, so don't, don't speak. It's best. Don't speak. You know, definitely. Sometimes, you know, it involves like a, an anchoring thought, like, you know, it's not my problem or, Hey, you know what? I've got to be like God. Like it's, it's gotta be something running through your head. So don't not listen to your better self. I mean, you know it because you can easily give yourself advice of what not to do if you're not in it. So can you imagine being able to step out of yourself for a little bit? Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't roll your eyes. Like, don't do it if you can. Right. And so some of these, I mean, th those are some of the don'ts for sure. Don't, don't, don't open your mouth. Mm. Don't open your mouth. That's, that's what I've learned. Cause sometimes, oh yeah. It sounds something like that. What about that? Yeah. I'm going to call my dad. Like, oh man. You know, something like that. It, it, you know, somebody's upset. Cause Hey, you know, does this make me look fat? You're like, <laughs> you better have a response, right? Danger. You know, something. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you're, you're getting baited or somebody will say something and you know that. I yeah. mean, Jesus had so many people try to bait him. A lot of times he was just quiet. He was quiet until he had ready something to say. He drew in the ground with the adulterous woman, intense situation, stones everywhere. Yeah. Wait at that moment. And I'll tell you, I think that's the, the golden silence. Because hmm. um, it 
gives you a chance to think, to calm down. And it's hard for them to do anything to you when you're just quiet, right? Unless they're so amped up and, you know, it doesn't help. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Does that, does that, yeah, no, that's, that's obviously that's really good and would probably, uh, keep a lot of conflict from coming or being prolonged. And, and I think building on that, I'll see what you think about this. And that concept is one of the, one of the things that I've learned for me that I think anybody can do and implement is, and, I, and I've always kind of based it on John 13 to 17, when Jesus is his last night and he's with his disciples. And there's several times where he will say, you know, uh, I could tell you a whole lot more, but it wouldn't be good for you. <laughs> or I'm speaking for your benefit. And so, you know, in Ephesians 4 talks about that, about speaking for the benefit of others. And what I've tried to do is learn and discipline myself to keep my mouth shut in the moment, not always feel like I need to respond, and then go off, you know, and maybe it's my wife, or maybe it's somebody close, you know, and it's like, man, I need to, I'm really irritated, I got to talk to him about that. But I need to close my mouth and go off until I get to a point where when I bring it up, it is really for their benefit and not because I'm speaking out of my own frustration or irritation, that that's no longer my motivation. And so sometimes, I mean, gosh, you know, sometimes that can happen pretty quickly. Sometimes it's taken me two weeks of praying and thinking about something before I go back and bring it up with, you know, my wife or someone else, because I, I wanted to get to the point where this is for your benefit and what I've discovered is usually about half of the things or more go away. I realize, you know, that was my own issue I need to work through. There's not really a conflict there. Um, and then when I do bring things up, it's from a heart of, you know, this is for your benefit no longer because I'm irritated. Uh, so I, I, does that sound uh, reproducible, reasonable to you? Is that part of what you're talking about here? It's very reproducible. I mean, even the world knows that. My kids used to play in a soccer soccer teams, and you know, I mean, parents would just lose their minds. I mean, in Manitoba, I mean, Canadians, I don't think we go crazy over much, except hockey. We definitely will, or sports. And so, I was the parent liaison. I mean, it's a French word for liaising. And so, basically, when the parents on our team would get just amped up over some 15-year-old ref's bad call for something, a game that doesn't even matter. Parents would want to go to talk to the ref, but they had to talk to me first. And we had a 24-hour rule after some big incident in Manitoba where there was some six-year-old kids playing hockey and all the parents were beating each other up. They were all banned for a year. They were not wow. allowed they had to drop the kids off of the front, six-year-olds carrying these hockey bags. And so they implemented, I think it was one of the reasons they implemented the 24-hour rule where any parent comes to the liaison, they had to wait 24 hours. And you know what? Tool one, even my friends are like, no, 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 Dave, Dave, Dave. Look at me. I'm so calm. I want to talk to the ref. I go, no, you can't. You can't. You got to wait 24 hours. No, no, Dave, look at me. I'm sober. I'm good. I'm like, no, you can't. I'm sober. <laughs> Dave, totally. It's That's say. their Some argument. Some have more than coffee. <laughs> Every one of the guys would push, 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 push. And it would take 20 minutes. I go, no, you cannot. Because if you say something that a 15-year-old ref, you, I mean, can you imagine like a big, huge guy going, to, you, you didn't, you know, my son took a bad hit. Everybody sees it from point of view. You know what's funny? In the seven years I did it, I didn't have a single person come back to me to deal with the issue after 24 hours. Hmm. What'd that tell you? Yeah. What they were hell bent, that's what they were calling it. I'll see you in the parking lot. We're like, no, no, you are not. And you know what? It's the same thing with us. Like 24 hours later, 
you're, you're all calm down, you were going to say something very different. And they yeah. would have been charged with assault or whatever or something. I mean, because some of these are young men and women that are 15 getting yelled at by 50 year old parents in the community. Because that's what we, and the kids are seeing this like, what's going on? Because, you know, and so I'm talking like seven year old playing soccer. <laughs> like, what? I mean, give me a break, right? So when you're amped up, you always see you're right. But I think it's the same thing with Christians and non Christians. Like, if we could say, look, just give us time and space. Using the soccer analogy, you look at the little person in front of the big net. Well, the only reason we don't score so many times is because people that are trying to stop us don't give us time and space. We can't score and we don't have time and space. Well, we need time and space in order to do this right. And I think that time and space is huge. Yeah. And kind of know. And I think communicating with the person, hey, listen, can I have a little bit of time? Have a little bit of space. Let me think about it. Yeah. But don't think you're going to come back in 20 minutes and be okay. Your, your chemicals are still running in your head. Yeah. 24 hours is a good way you come back very different. And I, I sometimes don't follow my rule. Oh my goodness. And it's, I've gotten fired on jobs because of it. Cause I was not happy with the person yeah. and I had to be let go of the job. And so it cost me money. And so it smartened me up. Well, so and everybody's gone through it. Yeah. And it, it seems like, um, you know, well, this is not going to be the most revolutionary insight, but emotions cloud our judgment to a degree <laughs> and, That's right. and, and can almost construct a, a false world, a false narrative, you know? And so yes. where, you know, having grown up playing basketball my whole life, I have boys who play basketball. I'm at basketball games constantly. It is funny how I've seen a lot of people do this and I've, I've given into it myself where, you know, a ref makes a call you don't like, and suddenly you're constructing this narrative in your head. Like right. the, the ref is for the other team clearly yeah That's like right. like that this ref came into this game going you know i've just never liked this high school that's right they're racist I, this, is, yeah. this is this yeah, is my moment something. this is my yes. moment to exact my revenge and so you start you know you start thinking these things and um you know, and I know uh, one of the things that's helped me when it comes to sports, and I'll address it, you know, just because maybe a lot of people do go to sports games and it, you do have so much of a problem of people yelling at refs and things like that is it's really helped me take a step back to say refereeing is not an objective function in a sporting uh -huh. event, right? It's right. subjective. Right. And reminding yes. myself that what I think I see from the stands 20 rows up in the bleachers is irrelevant. It's not the truth because what I see from one angle, someone else might see differently from a different angle. Sorry. And unless we have, you know, 360 degree cameras all over the place and sensors and all that, there's no way to find the objective truth. And so my opinion is irrelevant in it. It's what that ref saw from that angle through those eyes. And it's a subjective element. And to just remind myself that, okay, you know, sports is, is subjective in that sense. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's helped me it sort does. of take a step exactly back right. and say, you know, that's what he saw. And, you know, okay. And I would say that works 99% of the time. There's, there's still every now and then, you know, where I will think my son get fo got fouled or something. And I'm like, absolutely, <laughs> you know, you like construct a narrative. It's what a are brain. you looking at right now? You know? And then I 
kind of remind myself, well, okay, from from that angle. But yeah, and people start throwing their glasses at the ref. You need these glasses, man. right? Like, you know, right? Like, uh, or my, I, I can't drive home at night. Yeah, my favorite game is, hey, this is a great game. You're missing it, you know, to the ref, and um, that. That's so how much did they with... pay you? How much did the other team pay you? And you're you've had people yell at that, and you're like, yeah, because that that's totally solves it. Because refs love that. That's what I heard. Yeah. And they yellow card the whole team. They red card the whole team, and it's not my fault. The ref is blind. And you're like, right. okay, yeah, I've seen it, and huh. I, I've uh, participated in angry, you know, things that you say, and it does not prove your Christian witness. That's for sure. And we're all susceptible to it. Sure. Uh, but the curiosity, and I think, I think in the long run, anger and all that kind of upsetness is a very limiting in options. Kind of like when you hear people that are angry, and I get like that. I had no choice. Yeah. I had to do that. You're like. So you're like a 40 year old person, super smart. You had one option to go blast that ref. That's your one option. Uh huh. Sure. Well, the no, cops you're... are saying something different. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right though. A couple of years ago, there was a game and my son near the end of the game got just hammered and he was going up for a layup or a dunk or something. And he got hammered and knocked to the ground and, and, you know, it was just seconds before the buzzer. And so I was walking on the bleachers and the ref was there and I yelled something at him. I was like, you know, somebody's going to get hurt here. You got to, you can't let that go. And he was like, oh, you're nuts. There, there was no foul there. And, you know, a few minutes before that, I'd been kind of reaching out to somebody trying to invite him to church. And now I'm standing like on row three and I was like, you know what, you, and I was about to go off and I glanced over and saw the person stand there. And I was like, I, I caught myself. I was like, you, <laughs> have a very difficult job and you know i'm sorry for saying anything just carry on and kind of walked off you know but um can i buy you a drink yeah right Does, man yeah yeah no i hear you it's... very aggressively i'm gonna ask you to take take you out for a drink or something but let, david this has been yeah, really I mean, helpful I look at all the, it's crazy let, it's let me crazy. ask you let me ask you one more question on this it, sure it, what is the point? I don't know if this is going to be an easy question to answer or a difficult one. What is the point where a, a person or you're part of an organization or a church and you're involved in a conflict, maybe between churches, maybe with a group and the leadership or whatever, what's the point where you say, okay, this is getting bigger than us. Maybe we need to seek out an expert. Yeah, that's a good question too. Um <clears throat> think that we've mentioned the same elements where I just, I've tried this with all my skills. They've tried with all their skills and we have no more resources. Because oftentimes people in conflict will either vent, which is useful to a certain degree, but they can get coaching. Someone can help them. But if they've helped them to go back and engage, so they vented to release some of their emotion. They got some coaching to go back with some of the tools and techniques. And if that doesn't work, then they have to get some direct intervention from someone. And it's important to know that when they can't handle it emotionally, the other person's just dysregulated. They just don't want to see eye to eye. And, you're, and so you got to know it's, it's, it's both of you. It's time to get somebody else. This doesn't have to be professional, but these are the things that I would say. Um, and I borrow from Stephen Covey's book of Speed of Trust, this idea that someone, they have to have the right character. That means someone you trust. They're good character. They're not biased in the situation. And also competency. Because you can have someone you really trust, you really love them, but they just don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm, so it's like mm -hmm. getting a plumber to fix your brakes. Unless the plumber is also a car mechanic, I'm, you're going to have a very wet basement or you're going to die. Really important stuff. So character and competency are huge in this, right? And so 
when, when it's been going on for a while and it's huge in impact. And so a lot of times we look at a matrix with frequency and impact. So if it's low frequency, low impact, like most likely it's, it's not going to end the world. But if it's high frequency, high impact conflicts, you need to get someone in premier right away because it's so high emotion, high influence. And also when it's been like a historical conflict, you might need somebody from the outside to see it's a systemic problem. So if you're at Walmart watching somebody yelling at a Walmart clerk about the pricing of this TV, wrong person. Like they're not going to be able to go influence corporate and Walmart to change the pricing. So someone might say, hey, you know what? And a manager would do that. We don't have control over the pricing and help them see, well, do you want to write a memo? You know, to, to, to the Walton corporate, you know, the, the, the Walmart corporation, they'll do, they'll do that to put the conflict in the right place. So people can come and either help mediate it or they'll help direct it. This, this is not a conflict we can fix here. So, you know, people arguing about elections. Yeah, but you have one vote, do your vote. And then you can't go arguing about all this galactic stuff that's going to happen. <coughs> Excuse me. So you kind of know when it's, and also I think as a Christian, would you know when you're sinning against this person, gossip wise, you're hating them. And I've been there. You need to get somebody involved. Mm. And sometimes there's a situation where I think in Romans 12, says, as far as it depends on you, gotta do, you know, you gotta live at peace with people. Yep. And, and it's not always going to have to be resolved is because they don't want to, they don't want to. And so I just got to be righteous with them. And if I keep wanting to resolve with them and I don't have somebody in my life to tell me, Hey bro, you've done everything you can. And then maybe time, yeah, you know, something happens to them, a few God moments of them, you know, Paul, 20 minutes before he got the bright flash in the road. I mean, if you would have interviewed him about Christianity, you <laughs> have a very different answer 20 minutes later. Sometimes that moment, that burning bush moment or the flash in the road moment, somebody comes back, man, I'm really sorry what I did. Yeah. If we overextend our welcome, then it becomes a problem, right? They don't want to mm. talk. They don't want to talk. And I'm going to try my best. So in counseling, we call it stepping back, facing forward. We step back out of the mess, but we face forward as we love them still. We pray for them. And this is way harder, you know, because I'm praying, God, you know, please burn that town down. Kind of like that, right? As that's not the right prayer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 does that kind of encompass a little bit of when to get somebody in? When yeah, no, that's, that's complicated. Helpful. Uh, this has been really helpful. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, you made this very accessible material for us. And I think very helpful. Oh, so I, I appreciate that. And uh, last question, are we, uh, are you still planning our trip to go deep into the Canadian wilderness and go uh, Sasquatch hunting? Are, are we still doing that? Well, when COVID's done, we'll see. Cause I mean, there's quite a few places that Sasquatch could exist. I mean, I think I told you about that trailer we went up to, and then there's a, the guy showed me some footprint castings of Sasquatch, hundred years of uh, First Nations and Native American, Native Canadian people's lures and stuff. Yeah, I, I touched the footprint. Yeah, the First Nations have been talking about Sasquatch for hundreds of years, right? Yeah, and it wasn't for a Facebook hit. I mean, right. Uh, and I'm so, not sure. No, it, it leads you to believe that there probably at least was at one time something, an undiscovered, you know, ape type um a hominid of some sort a, a large one but the the yeah. the the yeah i want to go squatch hunting we can do that even if we never find one i just, just the excitement of the hunt i even if they don't exist or they've died off a hundred years ago i want to go and 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 i think we talked about this before we would actually be risking our lives because neither of us are wilderness people but you know, you live up there in Canada, so I'm relying more on you. Well, I've got some wilderness experience, so I do that. But the thing is, I know the places we'd have to go. 
there are other things you got to worry about other than Sasquatch, like bears, you know, things that, that would eat us. Like certainly Sasquatch would watch and go, look at those idiots. Well, no, I thought, <laughs> so, I thought David, if you, if you ran at a bear and made yourself big and sort of screamed and were like, ha, ah, they'll run away from you. Right. Yeah, I don't know where you got that from, but yes, I mean, when you find a bear, it generally is really bad because they smell really bad, and they're. Bad. I've encountered them. It's not, it's not what it sees in the movies. If you've seen bear predation videos, it's just not the way. I mean, so so the they results. won't run away from you if you yell at them. Yeah, by the time they find you, generally, if you surprise them, it's not good. They'll, they'll, they're the largest land predator in in uh, in North America. I mean, they're big. They're eight hundred pounds of fur and fury, man. They they run faster than you think. They climb trees. They start climbing trees when they're born. It's ridiculous. So if you if you had a machete though, sure. Could you could you You'd take have... a grizzly bear? I if he attacked you. Yeah, I don't know about a machete. It's a. I don't know if you ever had a gun. It's scary. Those things are pretty big, and they're designed to eat people like me. <laughs> so I I haven't had too many. There's some really lucky guys who've got out of it, but. I think anybody who's a hunter, they would never, they wouldn't want to encounter that thing. Not from far away. Just like, even with a machete, it's a little too darn close. Yeah, they're nasty creatures. <sighs> no, bears are not cute. They're not cute. Black bears, brown bears, grizzly bears, polar bears are the worst because they're always hungry. So that leaves a new weird one. Yeah. That, grizzly bear. that leaves you in a tough spot because if you make a bunch of noise and stuff and keep the bears away, then you're also scaring off the Sasquatch. So Probably. That's the sad thing about it. Because you know bear bells. Anybody who goes into the woods, you realize you wear these little bear bells. It just tells them where you are. Hey, look, there's a snack walking around. At least I know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody knows. Bear sprays, you gotta hit them right in the eye. It's just it's just but I I, know. I, I, I will say that's one of the interesting things I've learned from talking to you and other Canadians is Americans tend to be like, eh, you know, I don't think there's Sasquatch. I don't think Canadians just assume that there is in general. It's just like, yeah, there's of course there's Sasquatch because you know so many people have seen it or you've seen footprints. Um I've touched the footprint. That's the thing. I've touched the captain's footprint. Touched so I'm a believer. I know you would you would like it. I I I think so. And this is what the guy said to us at the trailer. I lie to you not. Um he said that, you know, many years ago, like so we we were we just rented a trailer by this river. It was really cool. Uh Alexander, who was only six months old at the time. And so he said, What you gotta do is you gotta bang on the side of the trailer before you open the window or just draw the curtain i'm like why because sometimes they look inside i'm like okay so what i did completely opposite i didn't bang on it i would go to the window and I just open and see what's nothing 10 days nothing i would have done so, the same thing yeah i would have my wife's like what are you doing and i'm like nothing just trying to with camera in hand too there's no phones that way back then you know That's i had true. a friend that gave me a, a a night vision goggles where i i I'm always looking for things like that in the woods and stuff like that, because you'd see them thermal long, or at least a night vision long before. So yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know they're out there. I think something's up. The woods are too deep. It's like saying the ocean's got no new fish. You're like, really? Pretty big. God's got a lot of creatures that we have not seen yet. All right, so we, need to, we need to put together an expedition. Um, That's right, the expedition. If you're interested in joining our future Sasquatch expedition, <laughs> please yeah, email me. At all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll start putting this together for maybe 2024 or something. Yes. You're going to have uh, people emailing you about UFO expeditions after this, and hunting for Atlantis and the ozone layer holes. And No, uh, those are all in a different category. 
okay, sure. No problem. I totally get that. But you know, I, 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 so I am sort of obsessed with those things though. Like I don't believe all of them, but I still love to watch like shows about them. And I love to talk to people who believe in them. And, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very open on the Sasquatch issue. So, yes, I think that's more in the realm of possibility. I've seen there's a lot of stuff goes on. I mean, we need to see one, but then yes. the minute you see them, I feel bad. It's because now people are going to hunt them, right? As opposed to, yeah, I don't want one in the zoo anywhere. Do your own thing, man. It's been a couple thousand years. No one's found you. No, you can't put them in a zoo. That'd be terrible. How am I going to stop that? Everybody knows. No, you I don't mean you personally. Them? I mean, human. No, I wouldn't, but yeah. I know that you don't think anybody is going to notice that and put it in a zoo. I think that's the part of it. Just leave it alone. Leave him or her or, or you know alone. They're doing their thing. They don't want to be found. They don't want to be found. Look Amen. at the world now. Would you want to be found? It's no. Like, <laughs> front you, to a zoo. you know, I think I'm going to have to look at some sort of having an after show because I, I actually love this part of the conversation. And I'm sure there's a few people who are like, this is great. And then there's some people who tune into your conflict resolution and they're like, this is nonsense. This guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I assure you, I, we are sane people. And I mean, why not? Yeah. Listen, they didn't believe in the gorilla. That's so they right. found a bunch of them. That's one but, of my arguments. Yes. Wrong. The silverbacks, yeah. they said they were mythology and stuff. Absolutely. That's right. Now you're like, oh, there's just, just the gorilla. So it's the way Well it is. played. Well, David, thanks again for joining me today. Appreciate it. And uh, keep doing the, the good work. And, and uh, I ask all my listeners to pray for you that God will continue to bless you so that you can bless others and keep resolving conflicts. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate your show and all that you do on it. If you ever need me back again, let me know. Okay. Will do. Take care. You take care. Thanks so much for joining me today. It was great to have David Jung on as a guest. If you have any questions or feedback, hit me up at all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. If you uh, want to check out any of my books or resources, you can go to michaelburnsteachingministry.com. Um, and please join us next time on the All Things to All People podcast. <laughs>